Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Chasing Freedom Podcast with Noah and Jeff. In this show, we're going to dive deep into flips, wholesales, holding rentals, and creatively structuring deals. So that we can show you how you can achieve that lifestyle of freedom that you desire. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to the Chasing Freedom Podcast with Noah and Jeff. Today, we have an awesome guest with us. This is Craig Curlup. He is uh, been on Bigger Pockets and hosts a group called the FI team that we're going to jump into what that really means on this. But the reason we wanted to get Craig on here is because his team and his message really resonates with what we want to do here on the show, right? We want to teach people how to chase freedom, how to pursue freedom, how to build a real estate business to get there. So, Craig, thanks so much for jumping on the show today, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You know, it's, it's a pleasure to be here and I always enjoy talking real estate and talking financial freedom. So Yeah, I love it, man. I, uh, I always think it's funny. People think like real estate investors are like, oh, they look kind of like cool and they make money. But like, really, we're all just nerds who love talking about the same thing. Like if you ever start talking tax loopholes and codes with like a real estate investor, that conversation will just spiral and be like the nerdiest thing you'll ever listen in on. Oh yeah, it'll be like a an hour or two hour long conversation about stuff you never even thought you would know about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and yeah, you just see like yeah. grown men get excited like little children over like, oh, this yeah. tax code, you can do this. It's just the weirdest thing. So yeah, man, we love just just vibing out and talking about real estate. So this is gonna be fun. Um, why don't we always like to start off with the why? Like, why did you pursue real estate? What got you motivated to take that step from what you were doing before into into full time real estate? Yeah. So before doing anything in real estate, I was uh, living like the the high end, like finance bro life out in California. Okay. And I just saw that, yeah, I was getting paid a lot of money, but I was spending just as much money and yeah. I wasn't getting ahead. Uh, sure. I had some nice things. I had a nice place and all that kind of stuff, but I just wasn't like, I didn't feel like it was me. I didn't feel like I was being me. I felt like I was buying things just to impress other people. Mm. And that's just like, not what is in my DNA. And so eventually I was like, man, I just like do not want to work anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to work the rest of my life. I looked around me and saw that, you know, my boss and his boss and his boss's boss and whatever they all they were was just like 10 or 15 feet down the hall, living the same life that I was at 22, 23, yeah. maybe a little bit more miserable. Right. And I was like, that's just not where I want to go. And so I stumbled upon, you know, basically I looked up like passive income, right? Yeah. I read two viruses for our work week, learned about passive income started thinking of all these stupid ideas, living in Silicon Valley, like starting stupid businesses, but just none of it really clicked. And then I was like, man, I don't need to be Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or like yeah. live this big famous, like rich lifestyle. I can just be a real estate investor, right? Like buy an asset, have it cash flow, you know, a couple hundred to a thousand dollars a month over the mortgage and, you know, pick up a couple of those and live, be, be rich, but not famous. And I was very, yeah. very okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, having that the choice every day to wake up and you could do that with very little, right? Like people live very comfortable lives off of 60, $75,000 a year to get there and cash oh, flow easy. is not that hard. If you're disciplined and have a plan, like you're talking about, you know, okay, how many mortgages do I need to stack okay. to get to my goal? And how many dollars over the mortgage will the rent pay? Perfect. Now I just need to know, okay, I need 25 doors over the next five years and I can retire before I'm 30 and live a financially free life where if I want to go spend a week with Craig, I can go spend a week with Craig. You know what I mean? But not everybody has that choice. Yeah, for sure. Your life just opens up before you, right? Mm-hmm. There's no one telling you what to do or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then it's a snowball, right? Like once you get one door, you're like, ooh, I can do this. I can I can get another door. And every asset oh, oh. You, you add just starts to be a little bit easier and a little bit easier. 
All right, so you made the decision of the why. Hey, I'm going to jump. I don't want to keep living this grind life that I'm not enjoying and, and overspending. What was your first step after that? What'd you, what was your first property you got and how'd you make it happen? Yeah, so at the time I was living in California, uh, I actually found a job. So Bigger Pockets was actually hiring for a finance role that I oh, nice. was like, hey, I, I could actually do that role. And so I applied and lo and behold, got the position somehow. And so That's I was so cool, immediately... Yeah. I mean, I, I was immediately surrounded by my heroes, mm-hmm. right? Like at the time, you know, like Scott Trench and Josh Dorkin and yeah. Brandon Turner yeah. and all those guys, they were literally like all around me. And I was like, oh, well, this is cool. But I got to play it cool. <laughs> but, you know, I got to play it cool. Uh, and now those guys are all my friends and le- less hero, but um, still I look up to all of them. Yeah. And so by just being around them and being being around that kind of mindset of a group of people really jump-started me. And so uh, basically from, I moved to Denver in April, 2017, and I knew that I wanted to buy a property within the first couple of months. So by June, 2017, I had purchased my first house hack. Okay. Uh, and that house hack was a, uh, it's a duplex top down duplex, totally finished, like totally redone, basically not a new build, but it looked pretty much like a new build. Yeah. Um, one bed, one bath up top, one bed, one bath down below. I was living in the one bed, one bath down below while renting out the one bed, one bath above. Me. Yeah. Um, and I like had this thing in my head where like I needed to cover the mortgage because at the time, that's what house hacking was. It was you covering your damn mortgage. Right? Yeah. There's no thing like, oh, you're reducing your rent expense, so it's okay. It's like, no, you covered your damn mortgage. Yeah. And so I didn't, I wasn't covering my mortgage and I was pretty upset about it. And so I rented out my bedroom on Airbnb and lived in the living room behind a curtain. Uh, <laughs> which a lot of people may probably yeah. know that by now. Um, That's crazy. And, yeah. But then that allowed me to live totally for free. Plus, I was making about $600 a month. And so then I felt like I was a true house hacker. How many square how many square feet did you have in your one bedroom, one bathroom? So it was about yeah. six hundred and twenty-five square feet per unit. So wow. the sacrifice was huge. Man, like that's really cool. Yeah. Just that story, like whatever it takes is like what comes to mind when you tell me that story. Dude, if you hated your job as badly as I hated mine, like <laughs> or you know, if anyone hates their job as much as I hated mine, like that would be a no brainer decision to Yeah. Do. Yeah. Well, you talked um, a little bit about going to work at Bigger Pockets. What I think would be really cool for our listeners is to hear maybe some of the mindset grabs that you took from being around such high-level players, people that execute on plans so well, such as such as Josh Dorkins and Brandon Turner. I mean, they 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 select something out, they execute one hundred percent almost every single time. That's why they are at the position they're in. Yeah. What are some of the mindset things you grab from being around them? You know, it's funny. So, so one thing, uh, Brandon obviously wasn't in the office. He was in Hawaii and Washington yeah. or wherever he was at. And I will say that Brandon and a lot of those guys don't want to be bogged down with questions. Yeah. So often what I just did was I literally just listened to the podcast and um, honestly, they disclosed almost everything in their brain on that podcast. So if you're not yeah. listening to their podcast, like that was my number one thing. If I had a question here and there, I would ask them, but I don't think I got a whole lot of information from like asking Brandon something. Yeah. Scott, Scott Trench, on the other hand, Scott was probably like the guy that I looked up to the most. Mm. He was kind of like, I kind of look at it as like a hierarchy, right? Like Brandon was the grandfather, Scott was the father, <laughs> and I was the child. And so like Brandon mentored Scott, Scott mentored me. Yeah. And one thing Scott said when I first started there was like, look out. There are 20 or 30 people here and none of them are doing anything to like get ahead when they have an op- when they have a community of hundreds of thousands to a million plus people like reading the platform. Yeah. So he's like, here's what you do. Start writing blog posts, get on the blog. Yeah. Right. If, if, if you do good at that and people start liking your blog, then we'll ask you to keep writing blog posts. 
And so after a couple of years of that, we'll get your writing, we'll get what you like, you'll have some more experience, and then potentially you'll be able to write a book. Because I asked him, like, I was talking to him right when his book, Stuff for Life, was coming out. I asked him, how do you write a book? He told me the exact, the exact process on how to write a book. I followed that process to a T, and then lo and behold, two or three years later, I wrote the book on house hacking. Yeah. Right? And so it's just like if a mentor, like if someone is where you want to be and they tell you exactly how they got there. Yeah copy them right yes. like it's not science there's literally yeah. probably there's there's a couple reoccurring themes on our show and that is probably like the most prevalent one yep. it's like we are both like we're, i don't pride mm-hmm. myself on being extremely intelligent like i i just listen to people who are where i want to be and do what they tell me to be or do what they tell me to do and it's literally that easy like sure you have to have like you got to have action and consistency and stuff but just get started and listen to the dude who is where you want to be like especially if he's an open book like the bigger pockets guys are like and that's what's cool about today's day and age. I don't have to know Brandon Turner for him to tell me what to do. I can get on this freaking podcast and listen to it and learn how to right. do real estate. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's like, and, and, and you know, that in itself is intelligence, by the way. It's just being able to, like, knowing that yeah. you can just copy and paste someone, yeah. someone else's stuff, right? Uh, and, you know, Brandon, I mean, obviously, Brandon, David, Scott, like, you guys, like, we have a podcast. Like, literally, yeah. like, get around the people that are just, like, it's fun to listen to David and Brandon now, right? Yeah. But like, they're like light years ahead of the person just starting at this point. So mm-hmm. they may not be the best choice for the newbies. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe that's your podcast. Maybe that's our podcast. Maybe that's the Bigger Pockets Rookie Podcast. Yeah. Right. But get listening to people that are like one or two steps ahead of you. So that way, it's like they are basically just like laying the groundwork for you. Because times have changed since Brandon was house hacking. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. It's cool that you started with house hacking. That's how I got started too. But only because I was scared to make the jump into full-time real estate. And so for me, the house hack was the financial foundation to say, we've got your back, your bills are paid, you're good. So, Which I think is smart because now like Noah has this principle that like I'm trying to adopt, I'm just not the best at it. Like Noah doesn't buy things until he has an asset that pays for that bill, right? And like that's a mindset that comes from like his house hacking experience. And like that's probably a similar mindset that you and other guys who started out by house hacking have, right? Like they started out by saying, okay, I know I want to go into real estate, but let me get an asset that covers my my mortgage. And then now we look at it as we're starting to grow, like, sure, we could go and buy a Tesla, but am I going to drop the money on a Tesla? Or am I going to use that on a down payment for a fourplex in one of my tier B markets and then use my cash flow to pay for the Tesla? That's what we just did, by uh, the way. Obviously <laughs> the second one, right? Like it makes, it, it makes yeah. entirely more sense. So I, I think that's why I love house hacking. I I didn't house hack. That wasn't how I got started, but I think it's a brilliant way because it's so obtainable for like, like anybody, almost anybody can house hack. Like if you really yeah. apply the principles and learn, you can get a mortgage, you can house hack. Mm-hmm. And our it's show is so easy. It yeah. is. Yeah. Our show has a variety of listeners. So Craig, can you explain really quickly um, for somebody who is yeah. brand new exactly what house hacking is? Yeah. So house hacking, right. I think it is kind of, the most common in way to get started in real estate investing. Yep. The idea is that you're buying a property for typically three to 5% down. It has got to be a one to four unit property. Now, because you're buying it for three to 5% down, the bank requires that you live there for one year. Mm-hmm. While you're living there, you're renting out the bedrooms, if it's a single family or the other units, if it's a two to four unit. And those tenants are paying your mortgage and you're living for free. So you're basically learning to invest in real estate 
state, you're living for free. And like, it's, it's really easy to do because you're going home to your investment property, right? Like you can keep tolls on your property to make sure that everyone's taking care of it. If anything breaks, you're there to fix it right away. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's the training wheels to real estate investing and the returns are crazy large because it's such a small down payment. It's just, I mean, I still have, like, I'm on my fifth house hack right now. I'm standing in it right now. Like I'm continuing to house hack, not because I have to, but because I want to, it's like, I can buy a property for 30 grand in Denver. Right. Like, yeah, you know, that's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, wild. that's powerful. What's, uh, for anyone who's listening and wants to know more about house hacking, Craig does have a book on house hacking. What's the full title of the book and where can they find it? Yeah, it's called The House Hacking Strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it anywhere. You can find it um, on biggerpockets.com slash house hack. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere they sell books. Cool. We'll throw a link below in the show yeah. notes for people to be able to click and go buy that. So Sweet. I think that that's a, it's the best way to get started in my mind because the consequences are low. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of mistakes and be totally financially fine. And there are no other opportunities where you could get into properties for three to five percent that are investments. Yeah, yeah it's it's insane. And, so, yeah. and like you know, you say the consequences are low. I'll explain that for a little bit, right? It's like you you have a housing payment that's you know if you're living in Denver, you're probably paying fifteen hundred bucks a month or so for a housing payment. If you're renting a room, maybe you're paying eight hundred dollars a month, right? Mm-hmm. Like I buy this house for thirty grand down. Yeah, right. My mortgage payment's about two to three grand. Uh, we'll say three grand. It's a five. It's a five bedroom house, say right. I can rent out yeah. each room for eight hundred bucks easy. Live in one room. That's thirty two hundred dollars a month right there. Plus, I'm living for free. Yeah. And like, in order to just like go back to where you were, in order to be in a worse situation than you were before buying the house, you'd have to rent the rooms out for like four hundred or less, which is just like insanely yeah. low. Right? Yeah. So it's just like the buffer is so huge too. So yeah, I think that's what you mean by like the risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So low. Yep. And yeah. I think the brilliance of it too is like it just it it gives you the confidence to take that next step because you feel like, okay, I've done a real estate investment. Okay. That feels a little more familiar now, but then you also go like, dude, my, my mortgage is covered and I'm making a little bit of money. Like how much easier is it for you now to go and say, I will flip my first house or I will go and buy my next, my next asset, my next rental, whatever. Like it becomes that much more comfortable because you know, you have that base layer of protection. Whereas like if you're working your job and you're like, Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start flipping. Okay, great. You still got your mortgage payment and are you going to quit your job and go and flip? Like that's 10 times harder than first doing a house hack, getting that mortgage covered and then going on to, to flip that next thing. So I think that's I think that's brilliant. After your first house hack, where'd you go after that? What's it look like today? Yeah. So, I mean, basically every single year on the year, right? Like I yeah. closed in June 2017 and literally every June, July, August, I, I have closed another house hack since. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm on my fifth house hack now. Uh, and just because it's, again, just because it's easy. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, you know, because I'm saving, I'm not, I'm not paying rent. Um, I am, uh, like cash flowing a lot of my properties and also I'm saving from my other, you know, my other parts of life and my, my, my quality of life hasn't increased all that much so that I'm still saving a lot. I'm easily able to purchase property two, three, four, and five year after that. Right? Yeah. Um, Outside of the house hacks, right? I picked up a, another property in Denver with a partner that was just really too good of a deal to, to let go of. Yeah, um, I've got a handful of properties out in North Carolina, uh, and now we're really growing the real estate agent team, which all of our agents right now are investor-friendly realtors, so they all have investments or house hacks. Nice, and so they're able to coach coach uh, our clients basically through the entire process of a house hack. Because at the end of the day, 
your first house hack is scary, right? Yeah. I know it's like the least risky way to get into real estate investing, but you're still throwing down in, in our market 20, 30 grand, which is like the biggest investment to date for a lot of our clients. Yeah. And so it helps to have someone that has like been through it before and just like, hey, let me let me coach you on, hey, you should look for this, this, and this in a house, or don't buy this one, it's got structural issues, or like, oh no, that's not good, or hey, here's how you get your tenants, like all that kind of stuff yeah. you just help with. And we're all, we're all kind of hoping, like, Pushing that same dream of helping people achieve financial independence. So, yeah. So your your real estate team that you run, all the agents are investor friendly agents, and then your clientele that you're going for is people looking to do house hacks and get into investment properties, essentially, right? That's right. Yep. That's really cool. What an interesting niche. And yeah. like, when Jeff and I first started, like I was a realtor at, at the beginning as well, and that was my focus was how do I help other people buy and sell real estate? And that's something that I really wanted to dive into and help other people do. Is like, man, like. My house hack changed my life because it eliminated my biggest expense, which was rent. I was paying $1,300 a month in rent, the place I lived before. My mortgage is $1,200. Um, and now my downstairs tenants pay me $1,400 a month. So mm -hmm. it literally, like, it was the biggest game-changing financial yeah. move I could have made when I made it. And it's, like, it's kind of fun, like, to be able to share that with other people. Like, hey, can I help them yeah. do it too? Dude, and you and now, you know, we're in year two, three, like kind of two between year two and three of, of like having this business. Um, and so we're starting to get like the the people coming back for house hack number two and house yeah. hack number three. And they're like, dude, I got two houses, their cash flow, they're each cash flow me a thousand bucks a month. Like, life's pretty good right now. And I'm yeah. like, Oh yeah, dude, right? It just it's really the you start feeling the magic after you get number two and number three. Yeah. yeah. So. And if and if you just sacrificed your twenties and did one a year or even one every two years, by the time you're thirty your retirement is there. You're, yeah, you you could not put another, you could put, you could not put another dollar away for retirement for the rest of your life. And you would be fine off those five houses and their cash flow and their appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So you buy 100%. in North Carolina as well. What do you buy there? And, and why did you select that market? So I, I purchased, I've purchased this last year. I purchased six single family homes there. Um, and I wanted to, get out. I wanted to have like a nice steady cash flow market. Yeah. Right. I can buy these houses, put a tenant in there and just have it cash flow nicely. Mm -hmm. In Denver, we've been getting a little bit cute with like rent by the room and mm -hmm. splitting single families into duplexes yeah. and, and all that. You got to get a little bit creative to really make the numbers work the way we want them to. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I just wanted, I wanted that like redundancy. I wanted that kind of hedge of like a nice stable market. Yeah. And so basically my goal was just to get like $2,000 of passive income from that market. So that way I just have like a nice cushion in the event that Denver ever goes to shit or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so um, that's what we decided there. I picked Fayetteville, North Carolina because I literally just have, I knew people out there that already were doing exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I could just plug and play into their team. I think like, was there, are there better cash flow markets? Yes. Are there sure. better appreciating markets? Yes. But I didn't care about that. I just wanted to make, I wanted to hit the easy button and yeah. had that easy for me there. And so. there's, yeah, there, that's, a, that's a smart move. That's one of the things we do Indiana and people are like, why Indiana? We had a strategic advantage and we capitalized on it. Like it's that simple. Yeah. Like, sure. There's other markets that are better than Indiana. I actually don't think Indiana is that great, but we had something to do there. We press the easy button and we buy houses literally like we don't even think about it. We can pick stuff up off the MLS over there and then get a $30,000 discount during due diligence and make cash flow. Like that was our whole goal. So yeah. your cash flow setup, I'm always intrigued by people's out of state stuff. What's your model? Are you uh, buying cash? You putting 30 year mortgages? You doing the bird process on it out there? What, what's that look like out there for you? So I've done like a handful of things. I bought a couple turnkey uh, 30 year, 30 year notes. Um, 
I did a couple burr type things, but actually ended up not refinancing them because I kind of just wanted the cash flow. Yeah. Um, and so I probably have like a couple hundred grand or so of equity in those properties in Fayetteville. Oh, that's good. Um, and I'm, I'm not like super like, I don't care to refinance them right now. Like, sure, I could pull some money out, but again, I just I like the cash flow. Like, I just I want the cash flow, and that's yeah. what people like yeah. don't talk about sometimes in refinancing. It's like you refinance your house, you're going to lose the cash flow, and if you don't have somewhere yeah. to put that money, you're paying for those notes, and you just have the cash on hand. Yep. And so I don't know. I I just like maybe I like that comfort a little bit more than other people. Yeah, we're doing some burrs here in our local market, and and we're looking at like our our guy will give us eighty percent loan to value on the cash out, pretty traditional. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. Like I'm only in it at 55 to 60%. If I just cash, like just take all my investors money out, we won't make any profit right now, but I'll have a huge buffer. But then on the, the flip side of the coin, I go, well, okay, if I take that 80% out, I get that 20% above the 60% I'm in. And if I go and then place that into something else, then it's a worthwhile investment. But yeah, like yeah. the whole refinance thing, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, don't refinance the full amount unless you're going to go and place that somewhere. And when we build our spreadsheets, we would literally build it like, okay, this is the cash flow at 60%. This is the cash flow at 80%. It minimizes what am I going to do with that 20%. And that goes on the same spreadsheet of what asset we'll buy. So then it's overall what that refinance will buy us in cash flow. Yeah. Because yeah. like, if not, what are you taking the money out for? Like, yeah, exactly. And well, another thing people don't talk about too is like closing costs aren't cheap. Like, yeah. You know, like I, I did the numbers. I actually am refinancing a couple of properties. I'm refinancing three of them right now, just getting them onto five one arms. Mm -hmm. And um, they're like, she was like, yeah, you can do a cash out, but after closing costs and, and all that stuff, you'll end up with like 20 grand. Yeah. I'm like, that's no. not worth it. Yeah. Like, yeah, just no, I don't want it. Yeah. Yep. Break down for the listeners what a five one arm is and why you chose that particular loan product over some other options you might have had. Yeah, so a five one arm basically says that you'll have a, a five year like fixed interest rate. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, so it's five years and then and it's interest only for the one that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh it will then turn into a twenty-five year like amortized loan. Yeah. And so basically the way my lender put it was like, you got five years interest only. This is and, and the rate was pretty good. It was like under four percent. No, under wow. under just under five percent. Okay. Four point six something. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so I was like, all right, like that, that works. Uh, and so my cash flow is going to be really high. The downside is I'm not paying down any of my principal mm -hmm. mortgage, but that's okay because in five years, I'll then refinance it and either do the same thing again or, but you, I do run that risk, right? Where it's like interest rates could be way higher in five years. Yeah. And so. Yeah, that's what, that's actually yeah. what we're doing. All of our burrs that we're doing right now, we're putting on the five one. It just, we're in this market where like Airbnbs are extremely attractive right now. And so if I can get my mortgage to just be, we're like right at 5% on ours. So 5% interest only like, well, that means we, so we have a two pro property package. We got two houses on an acre in a, in a suburb of Boise here. And uh, our total cost on that with just the interest only is going to be like 2,300 bucks. My total with like all utilities, taxes, everything is like 33. Each house on Airbnb is going to bring me like the big house is going to bring me 8K a month conservatively. And the other one's going to bring me like three. Like if that was a traditional mortgage, I'm going to be, I'm not going to have that same cash flow. And the Airbnb definitely helps. But so we're looking at like, man, while we're in this crazy cycle in Boise, I don't know what drives our Airbnbs. It's almost like the housing inventory. People are waiting for houses. So they're living in Airbnbs. We're like, let's capitalize on this. Let's get these interest only loans. Sure. We're not paying down our principal, but Boise is in a, pr a pretty solid appreciating market. So I'm not scared in five years. Like, okay, worst case scenario, like 
unless we just happen to be in that dip. Like the real estate will dip within a five to 10 year cycle, but it's very rare you get, you'll be in that dip when you're out. So then you just go into the long term, you start paying yep. down the principal and yeah, maybe the interest rate's high, but you just also like reserve some of that cash flow now. So that's like the one little tidbit, like you're getting additional cash flow for having the interest only loan, put an extra amount of that aside to be a reserve for if that interest rate is higher when you get off of the five year interest only. So I think it's a great product. A lot of people, okay. I, a lot of people are utilizing it right now. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, Craig, I, yeah, I want to talk. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you. No, I was going to say, and, and if you think about like five years from now, like how many income streams you're going to have to cover that. Yeah, like, exactly. A hundred bucks a month. Like, dude, five years ago, I didn't even, I hadn't even started investing in real estate yet. Yeah. Right? It's like, there's so much that can happen in five yeah. years. And usually if you're, if you're, if you're doing, if you're listening to this podcast, it'll probably be more good than bad things for the next five years. Yeah. And so it's just. And you gain traction, you start accelerating so much faster. So like, same here, five years ago, I was a little loser trying to flip one house at a time, like didn't make any money. Now I am where I am. And now it's a snowball. Like what happens in one year is literally more than what happened in the last five years. So you get that traction, you start going. I I think that's a great point. Like I'm not scared of what five years down the road looks like if I got to cover a little bit of money. And it goes back to building a financial base like we talked about, right? Like what's your financial foundation? How are you set up to protect yourself to cover those things that could go wrong? And then you could take more risk based off of that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I was, I'm impressed with your ability to invest out of state. I think that's something that scares a lot of people. Can we, can you break down for us some of the metrics that you look at when investing out of state? Like I'd, I'd like to see, and I think it'd be helpful for other people to know like, okay, well, are you putting away 10% for capital expenditures? What are you doing for repairs? How did you set up the team? How did you find people to trust? Like just kind of an overall rundown of, of what that process looks like for you. Yeah. So honestly, it's, you guys are probably going to laugh. Like it's not, I don't have this, like, I'm not like a master spreadsheet guy. I'm like yeah. more of a back, back of the napkin guy and trust the process. <laughs> uh, and so my first step was I, I go to a lot of conferences. Uh, I just enjoy them. I love talking to people and meeting people in real estate and all that. Yeah. So I was at FinCon a few years back and I met, uh, you know, this woman named Shelby and her partners, Dan and Mike, and they were starting the five pillars team out in North Carolina we got along great. They have great energy. They're great investors. They're like wicked smart people. Yeah. And so I was like, like, I'm like, tell me about Fayetteville. Like, yeah, it's a military market. You got people coming in and out every three years. You know, everyone is renting there because they're only going to be there for three years. Yeah. And the property prices are like really cheap, you know, 80, 90 K you can get something, then you go rent it out for 950 to a thousand. So easily meets the 1% rule yeah. at the time. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. And I was like, how much does it usually cash flow? They're like, usually, you know, 200 to $300 a property. I'm like, you know, Denver is more right the way that we do it. But I'm like, Hey, that's, that works two to $300 a month. And I'm like, how much over the mortgage do you need after property management and after all reserves and all that kind of stuff do you need to actually get to that two to $300 a month? Yeah. And they were like, probably like 500, $600 a month, $600 over the mortgage. And I'm like, okay. And then I went and looked for properties that I yeah. thought could, you know, would work in that regard. Uh, some of them I had to do some work to, some of them I didn't, but it like was pretty much a, like that, that was the process. Yeah. You know, it was like, what's the rent? What's the mortgage? Okay. I need to make like X amount of the mortgage for me to want the deal, how much work is needed. And if it checked those boxes and I went for it. Yeah. That's really smart. What did you do to set up financing there? Uh, so financing, I went through a broker at first, uh, who was kind of a pain in the butt, honestly. <laughs> so now I just go directly to the lenders that he set me up with. Yeah. Uh, and that's been better so far. Uh, and so, but I, I was buying commercial, I was 
commercial loans, right? So they yeah. weren't like personal loans. They were on my LLC because mm-hmm. I wanted to own them in my LLC. I wanted my LLC to be liable for them. Yep. Uh, and so those are a little bit more expensive, but they don't count against my 10, right? Like you get yeah. like a max of 10 loans or whatever. Yep. And so because because I didn't want to waste my my like my three to five percent down loans on, on in Fayetteville, right? Mm-hmm. On, on ninety thousand yeah. dollar properties. Yeah. I, I would rather use my 10 here in Denver, right? And so that was my strategy there. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that's really smart. I, I like this, how simplified it was, because I think like right now we're, our, our, one of our goals is to jump in to start doing like large multifamily value ads. And so we have this huge spreadsheet that underwrites all our market, which is a necessity when you're at that big of like, you're trying to do that big of a purchase, right? But I also think like, if we talk about that to new investors, like that sounds terrifying. Where do you get the data? What data do you pull? How do you trust it? Where are you looking? What matters? What doesn't? Because there's so much information out there. And like, that's a real recipe for analysis paralysis, right? And so I think the way you did it simplifies it on a scale that is obtainable for people who are getting started or, or like, they're not looking to go and buy a hundred unit apartment building. They just want to buy a couple single families and, and have some passive income. You don't have to complicate it and understand what are all the major industries that support my single families. Like, you're buying five to six single families. You're probably going to do okay. Look at the numbers. Talk to people in that market, but don't overcomplicate yeah. it. Spend three years underwriting a market and then decide, oh, I'm kind of over it. Simple like, scales. That, yep. That's that's uh, so true. Like, I hate when people overcomplicate things. And, and you'll see, like, my calculators and spreadsheets, they have, like, a few key numbers in there. Yeah. And that's it, right? But, like, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really look at, like, growth rate of a market mm-hmm. i don't really look at any of that stuff i'm just like are there people here is yeah. there an industry here like there's a military base here and i was kind of scared honestly to go to a military town because if that military base is leaves yeah i'm shut of luck right yep. but i talked to a bunch of people in the military mm-hmm. uh and they were like yeah fayetteville like that's fort bragg it's like the largest military base in the world that yeah. there's no way that ever goes yeah, and, so and most like, of their contracts okay. are long-term contracts too. So it's pretty hard for them just to pull out and be out and like, oh, they're gone tomorrow. We didn't notice. Like, like you always know, like, like we have one in Mountain Home, Idaho. It's a, it's an area right outside of Boise we invest in. Like, they have a, a ten-year contract and they renew it three years before that contract is up every time. So people always live in this fear of like, well, what if the, the Air Force base pulls out? Like, you would know three years before they even pulled out. You would know that they're pulling out. So you'll have time to adapt and do what you need to do to make that that a protected asset. So, yeah, I think that's cool. smart, man. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's that's the that's the out of state game, man. It's not it's not as hard as it seems. It's just it's just a matter of networking and meeting the right people who, who know more than you do about the market. Yep. I got a little bit more of a non-traditional question for you. What is what does the financial freedom look like for you? What do you want to do with that freedom? I, you know. We don't have a family yet. It's just me and my girlfriend, but I think marriage and kids are in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to just be able to like, when, when that time comes, like to have kids, I just want to like open that up. And it's like, if I want to take days and weeks and months off, like I want to go do that. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I had kind of dealt with growing up was like, my parents are always working. Uh, I saw that. I think that's what gave me the work ethic that I have now is seeing them. And so I, I'm grateful in that regard, but would love to have just like been able to go for like months at a time you know yeah. or whatever it is and just like do whatever i want honestly like we want to get the mountain home we want to get the beach house like we just don't want money to be an issue in our relationship because i think there's a stat out there somewhere that i saw that money is the number one reason for divorce yeah 100 percent. Yep. and it makes people unhappy when you don't have it and so yeah. i want to eliminate the money issue from our lives and that way we can put a hundred percent effort on health 
on the relationship with our family and living like a badass life and all those yeah. other pillars of life that I think is what you actually want to live for. Yeah, so. 100%. I have a question for you. Why did you start? I want to see how this, this plays out. Why did you start the FI team? What was your motivation be- behind starting a team? Yeah, so I last year I did like 94 deals by myself. Wow. Uh, and it was absolutely nuts. I, like every, I, I mentioned those, some of those other pillars, like everything, if there was like a scale of one to 10, everything was one except I was making some good money. But I was like from 10 a.m. on Saturday to 6 p.m. on Sunday, I was showing houses. All throughout then I was writing contracts on the phone, all that stuff. I had no time for like my girlfriend. Yeah. I had no time for any other, any other friends or relationships. I wasn't having any fun. And so I was like, this and more and more people were coming to to you know to, to use use me as an agent and i was like i can't do this and here i had a lot of my clients getting their license and i had a lot of people that wanted to help other people achieve financial dependence so it's just like well what if i just trained you basically duplicated myself put duplicated my brain put it in your brain and you helped other everyone else and i'll just support you any way we can yeah and so that is pretty much the motivation so now i get my time back to do fun things like this yeah and um and i think everyone is happy as far as i know like the agents are out there they love helping people um i was personally burned out from actually doing showings and running contracts yeah but love seeing people's progress and seeing people close and meeting them at our meetups and all the events that we throw and being like dude hell yeah you're getting started that's amazing yeah and uh so it's yeah i mean it's, it's just a matter of it's a matter of like scaling up, right? Like it's, you know, you see people out there like real estate agents. I've been in the business. I've been doing business for 30 plus years. It's like, you've been showing houses for 30 yeah. plus years. Like, <laughs> hell is wrong thing, man. Yeah. Like what the hell is wrong with your business? How have you not scaled up? Yeah. Right? And so, uh, you know, that, that's just kind of my, my viewpoint on it. That's your question. How, yeah. I, roundabout I, way. Yeah. But. No, you did. I, I was actually, what I was hoping you were going to say, and you said it like eight times was your intent was to help people. Like I just got yeah. everyone. Like, I like I've been living out the principles of go giver for a while, but I've never actually like read the whole book. And I finally just finished the whole yeah. thing out. And I think it's so like you bought back your time and are probably making decent money running that team. But that wasn't your like your intent wasn't to make a ton of money on helping people or just having people buy houses. Your goal is to help people pursue financial independence through house hacking. And you built a successful team because your intent was so pure. Your intent yeah. was to help people and, be, and to add value. And because of that, it's just the law of value. The more you look to add more value than you seek to get in compensation, like and you will grow because of it. So that I just I love asking questions when people don't know what the intent of why I'm asking. And then you answer exactly how I was hoping. I'm like, yes, because yeah. it's, it's true. As real estate investors and as people who want to help, like it's it's like a part of who we are as entrepreneurs is to help other people. So that was awesome. That was cool. Yeah, and I love that book too, Go Giver. Yeah, like it, it's so true. Like just just put out, put out, put out, and you'll get back inherently. And I will say, like I took a couple steps back to to move, you know, ten steps forward with this team. Like yeah. I am making far less this year mm-hmm. than I made last year. Yeah, because. You know, I, I'm obviously paying my agents fairly well, yeah. and like that, like you need to do that, and you need to inspire them and, and, and motivate them. And so, like, but I would, tr- I would, I was happy to take a fifty to sixty, seventy percent pay cut. Yeah, to have all of my t- almost all of my time back. Yeah, right? so like that was just huge. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you feel like you had to change? You know, not only your skill set but your mindset in relation to what you did before. Versus now you're like a leader on a team. You're, you're, you're managing all these people. You're, you're trying to inspire them to work 
as hard as you did. That's quite a different role. Um, I'd love to hear like what, what the differences are and, and what some of the challenges you faced were. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I will say that it was not an overnight change. Like I was very much like no one can help these people as, as good as I can. Mm. And that is probably maybe, eh, actually, I don't know. They probably help better than I can now. <laughs> um, but at first, right, you have to train them yeah. and know that like they might lose a couple of clients, right? They might lose out on a couple of deals. And that is just part of the growing and scaling process. Like if you're a numbers person, bake that into your numbers that there's going to be some, you know, attenuation, that's the right word, but, you know, so, some lost clients or yeah. whatever in, in the, in the process of having somebody replace you. Mm-hmm. And those are just learning lessons, right? Make sure if you do lose a client, you understand why you lost them and you make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's just part of the process. And so once I was able to totally just let go and be like, I'm entrusting you, you make the best decision you can. If it's the wrong decision, we will go back and we'll make sure that we never, it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Right? And if it's the right decision, great, you know what to do. And so the best I can do is just support them and trust them. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. That's one of the things we're uh, we're dealing with is in our businesses. We we created su- successful jobs for ourselves, and we we're we're great flippers, and we're good at analyzing markets and getting assets out of state. But now it's like we're trying to blow this up into something so different than just us being good at what we do. And so the past six seven months have been us trying to scale and us hire and us become leaders. And like I will say that becoming a leader and like and delegating things out and trusting the process and trusting yourself and growing yourself to be able to be a leader and train is 10 times harder than flipping houses. Like I'd rather just go and flip 10 houses. It'd be way easier, but I know to get to where we want to get, like I got to build a team and I got to train them. So jumping to that leadership is, is not easy, but the reward is so huge. Like you bought back 60% of your time. That's what we're yeah. all after is our time. We just want yeah. it back. And I would say like one, you know, one thing is you have to document everything. Yes. Like anything you do more than once, like I'm taking a video recording of everything I do and yep. saving it down in a, in a place where anyone can go and access that. Right. We've got like an entire board that's like, this is the process from contract to close step yep. by step. Exactly what you should do with videos and everything and, and pre-filled templates and like all that stuff. So it's like, you got to make it like, don't pretend that the person watching your video or reading your documentation knows anything. Yeah. Right. And like, that is kind of what we do is just assume everyone is really stupid, even though they're not, but like, yeah. there'll be no mistakes that way. Yeah. And so I think that's yeah. really smart. I actually was just listening to uh, the bigger pockets podcast. Like I think it was like two episodes ago. Um, they were talking about exit rich and about how you really build a business properly to then be able to resell that business and how so many real estate investors trick ourselves into thinking that this is not a sellable business, that we are just the business. And, and they're like, the, uh, man, Sharon Lecter, that's her name. She was the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She's on there and she's talking and she's like, no, like real estate investors, you can build your business in a way that you can actually sell the business. It's not just you. And you do that by having your Loom videos, having your videos that show your processes and what you're doing, building out extremely detailed documents and systems and processes, because then that can far exist or that can exist far past you. And then that because becomes a system that creates revenue that then could be sold. And so it's kind of eye-opening to me because that's what we're trying to do right now. But we were doing it solely out of the, the fact of let's have a more successful scaled business. And then you hear, oh man, if you do this right, you can actually build something that'll have value to somebody else down the line and they can buy you out if you wanted to. Like traditionally in real estate, yeah. you don't think that. You think, oh, maybe I could sell my portfolio, but can I sell my investment business? Well, yeah, if you build it right, you can. So I think that's huge. The systems and processes and documentation is a part that a lot of us miss because we try and move so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got a, uh, I, uh, so I, I was just at a, a little like a mastermind conference event and the, uh, the, the guy, 
Joe Neal or something. Basically, the guy who who got the kill shot in Osama bin Laden was it? Oh there. wow! Yeah, really, really cool dude. Really down to earth guy. And he was like, uh, he had a he had a, a quote. He said, uh, "Slow like a uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast." Mm. Right, and so like when they when they would go in a room and clear a room and clear a spot, right? Like they would go slow, but they would make sure they saw it. They hit every single detail yeah. and were very very smooth. And so that way, because it was smooth, they didn't have to go back and have to yeah. double check anything. They were able to progress very quickly. Wow. I think that's kind of like that that whole thing. The first time you do something, should be slow, should be meticulous. You should document it, get it done, make it slow and smooth, so then afterwards it can go very fast. And uh, I thought that was a really good quote. That is a really good. At first, I was like, what does that mean? And then, yeah, you explained it. I'm like, that is brilliant. And so many of us miss it because we want to get on to the next thing, maximize this, jump to this, like, no, slow down, do it right. And then it will be faster in the long run. We're actually, this is a recurring battle with our actual contractor team. I'm like, just slow down. You'll do it better if you slow down. And then you won't have to come back and fix it. But. That's for a different show. Well, hey, we're running out of time here, um, but we really appreciate you coming on, man. How? Uh, or actually, let's go. Let's go. Books and podcasts. What are your favorite books uh, that you would recommend to somebody? And what kind of podcasts do you recommend? Obviously, Bigger Pockets. We talked about that, but but what else do you got for folks? Uh, yeah, I would say um, you know I think I always go back to like the core books that really like changed my life. Um, the Miracle Morning is a book that I think most people should have read at this point, and, and I do that daily, and that has totally changed my life. Yeah. Tim Ferriss' The 4-Hour Workweek uh, obviously is kind of a classic. The one thing, like all these books are classics for a reason. If you haven't read them, you need to read them. Yeah. Um, I guess one kind of out there book that I thought that helped me with kind of self-discipline was this book uh, by Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil. Mm. Um, that is kind of, everyone knows his uh, Get uh, Thinking, Grow Rich or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got another one, Outwitting the Devil, that I okay. thought was, personally, I thought that was better than Thinking, Grow Rich. So. Nice. Very cool. That's a great recommendation. I'll have to check that one out. I like that. Yeah. And then um, where can people listen to your podcast? Yeah, so we're uh, the Phi Team Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify. We talk to a lot of people. Basically, our, our podcast is just tell me your journey towards financial independence. Some people are already there. Some people are just getting started. Some people are halfway there. And so it's just about you know getting their first deal, what their mindset was, and, and kind of just chronologically what their journey looks like towards financial independence. And I think people kind of like that. So yeah. if you want to take a listen, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Awesome, man. And then what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about house, house hacking or maybe they're in the Denver market or they're looking to go into the North Carolina market for, for investing? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm on Instagram. I'm at the Fi Guy, uh, the F I like the financial independence guy. And uh, if you want to, you know, work with us and our team, it's www.thefiteam.com, and just fill out a form there, and, and we'll get to you very quickly. So, awesome. Hey, we really appreciate it, Greg. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your tips, man, and all the stuff you've learned throughout your journey. We really appreciate it. Cool. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. This was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Sure. Good talking to you, man. See ya. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Chasing Freedom podcast with Noah and Jeff. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel in the show notes below. And if you ever want to get a hold of us, feel free to do it via our Instagrams. You can also follow us for our funny content on TikTok.